Gene Barr is president and CEO of the Pennsylvania Chamber of Business and Industry and is regarded as one of the most influential people and lobbyists in Pennsylvania politics. Uh, also lesser known about Gene is that he's a Civil War historian, uh, reenactor, and a published author. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to Brews and Views. I'm Matt Briette, President and CEO of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs, and I'm at Dodge City uh, Diner uh, in Harrisburg and uh, joined by my friend uh, Gene Barr, who is President and CEO of the Pennsylvania Chamber of Business and Industry. Gene, uh, good to be with you here this morning. Good morning, Matt. Good uh, to be with you. Usually, Brews and Views for us would actually be over really be a, a yeah, re, <laughs> be brew because uh, we've had that uh, common interest, yes. but a uh, little too early for that. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Seven forty-five doesn't quite work for that. Well, not thank a.m. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, but uh, I appreciate your your coming on, uh, Gene. You've been uh, noted as one of the most powerful uh, lobbyists, uh, voice for business uh, in Pennsylvania. Uh, have had a lot of uh, history, uh, not only in Harrisburg uh, but really around the country. With some of your uh, previous careers, you've seen operations in other states, uh, business climates. I think you bring a lot uh, to bear in Harrisburg. And hopefully uh, legislators listening to you, your perspective and representing uh, uh, big and small employers uh, here in Pennsylvania, the people that create the jobs and ultimately the wealth that even can gov- that government can operate. Uh, but uh, at your core, you're a, a Philly boy, aren't you? I if, am. Born and raised <laughs> in Philadelphia, absolutely. Yeah, so, so tell us a bit about your background and then, you know, how that's influenced even your politics today, uh, events in your life. Uh, yeah. So uh, you're Delaware County. Uh, Delaware County. Chester, Upland, a little okay. bit of Upland, but, you know, largely Chester. Yeah, and thank you for the kind words. It's nice to say, of course, you know, it, it is what we do. We represent business, and, you know, our success really does. And I, I truly believe, and you can't let this get away from you, that the success that, that we do enjoy comes from the support provided by our members. And I really am pleased to get up and represent business to people who literally get up, in many cases, taking the credit card out of their pocket to pay payroll. I've, You and I have... You know, no people who've done that. But yeah, I was born and raised in Philadelphia. My family is all from Philadelphia. I've gotten a lot into uh, family research since. Um, did the intestine? It's uh, you know, ninety-one percent Irish. So that's so those are the roots. Even <laughs> your fair back. skin that gives that away, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I think I get a sunburn watching the sun on television. That's how bad it is. Um, but no, uh, all our family, you know, was from there. My wife's family is from the same area. And so, yeah, born and raised there until... And b- until brothers and sisters? Uh, uh, two, two brothers, one sister. Uh-huh. Uh, they're still... We're the only ones that don't live in the Philadelphia area. But okay. But we maintain the, the, uh, the affection for the uh, Eagles, of course, as well as Phillies, <laughs> Flyers, 76ers, and Big Five basketball throughout the entire time. Uh-huh. Yes. And mm-hmm. so grew up uh, elementary, high school? Uh, yeah, all, actually 16 years of Catholic school, eight years of an elementary, of, uh, of a parochial school down there. Uh, four years of a high school first job, which I know we always love talking about, was delivering newspapers. I think I was age eight or nine. Uh, didn't have to collect, but I did deliver about 110, 120 papers a day for six days a week. It was the Delaware County, at the time, the Chester Times, before uh-huh. it had moved out to Delaware County. So uh, did that, and then um, 
after after that job, uh, worked briefly at a at a veterinary hospital, and then uh, made cheesesteaks and hoagies for about seven or eight years. That's what paid the college tuition. <laughs> I paid my own way through college. That's what took care of the commute back and forth. I commuted. I also worked a little bit doing sports on weekends for a uh, for again for for the Delaware County, uh, which followed the Chester Times. And uh, I, I know you went uh, far away to college. Yeah, then, I did. right. <laughs> About uh, 17 miles. <laughs> yeah, at the, at the time, just to show my age, St. Joseph's College, now University. Uh-huh. I think I was either, I think, the next to last class to get uh, before it became a university. Very good. Well, Gene, so uh, you end up uh, at St. Joe's College. Yes. Uh, um, and uh, what did you major in there? Uh, well, political science. Okay. It was always going to be history because I love history. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, and I want to get into that because you are a civil history And I love talking about bug. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was in uh, high school, went to an all-boys parochial school in the city of Chester that unfortunately is now closed, St. James. And uh, while I was, I'd always intended, actually I always intended on being a lawyer from time, hmm. I don't know what reason, time I was 9 or 10 years old, I'm going to be a lawyer, I wanted to do criminal prosecutorial law. Um and I always wanted to, I thought, major in history. Always loved American history for, you know, going back many, many years. And so uh, when I got there, I had a, a course senior in, in high school. I think it was called Political Ideas and just was fascinated by that. And that caused me to change to go into the closest thing I could find, which at the time was called politics at St. Joe's or hmm. political science. They called it a BA in politics. So made the decision to do that. Were your were your parents uh, political? Nobody. Were they so nobody in our family was. So political. did you know what uh, party, or did they bother to vote? I well, mean, what, in were Delaware they... County, you were Republican. Okay. Period. That was decided. Not <laughs> it was on your as birth much certificate. Anymore. Yes. It really was. You okay. know, male Republican. Um, but no, I had had neighbors who were very active in the party in the borough uh, of Upland where I lived, and uh, he was the tax collector. She was the committee woman, and they were very active in the party. As I mentioned, he was a professor at a local college. But your parents were not, uh, not politically engaged? or okay. Not at all. all right. Interestingly, so, it was one of these where even though the area was Republican, and I'm pretty sure they sided Republican, my dad was a Korean War vet and was fairly conservative. Um, like most Irish Catholics, when Kennedy ran in 1960, they were solidly behind Kennedy, the Democrat. Uh-huh. And of course, we could go all you know, all day if John Kennedy would have run today. He'd be known as a as a as a reactionary right wing conservative, right. I think, by you know, by many people. Right. Uh, so, so you're you're you grew up in kind of an apolitical uh, yeah. uh, family. Mm-hmm. What was it that uh, turned you on to politics? That you said, look, this is I, I'm I'm interested in this, or I don't know. Yeah. It was one huh. of those strange things. I remember that sitting as a kid and you know, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen years old, and listening, you know, as you know, if my if my parents had friends over, particularly the people from down the street who were politically engaged, they would start talking politics. I was fascinated to sit there and listen to this. And, you know, in fact, sometimes they would start getting into it. My parents said, oh, you go in the other room. We, we have, we, you know, that's kind of like, you know, I, I want to listen to this. I wanted to hear what they were focused on. I was fascinated by the topics of the time. In my view, politics is nothing but tomorrow's history. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, there was there was a continuum for me as I looked at history and became involved in that. Uh, there was a continuum for me in that. I also, you know, interestingly had the... Um, so at age 18, graduated high school, I started working in the political party right away and got on borough council at 21. I think at the time I was the youngest elected uh, official in Delaware County hmm. when I got on borough council. And so uh, uh, 
at what point did you start to say, all right, uh, or question, I guess, what was on your birth certificate as a Republican uh, in Delaware County? Uh, where did you kind of come down on, all right, this is this is the party that I uh, see myself a part of? Um, well, you know, like, like all young people, I think at the time, um, you know, Churchill's, I think it was Churchill's comment that said, "If you're if you're not a liberal at age 20, you have no heart. If you're not a conservative at 40, you have no brain." Uh-huh. I think at, at those ages, you know, Mike. Uh, yeah, I certainly am more conservative than liberal. Because this is the, the 70s, right? That you're you're yeah, you're, you're, you're getting out of high school in, in the mid 70s. Yeah, yeah. 1973, and okay. of course Vietnam was winding down, mm-hmm. and everyone was. You had your sets there. I still remember talking about a dinner table one night about telling my dad that, uh, you know, we we're. They were talking about having a student walkout at one point, I think 71 or 72, over the war in Vietnam, and we were going to walk out of high school. And I think his comment is, again, Korean War vet, you walk out of high school, just keep walking, don't even come home. Um, so it was, uh, you know, got to the point where I, um, you know, just kind of evolved and uh-huh. getting into the business side, understanding the business side, um, kind of brought more conservatism. Interestingly, the... Uh, the newspaper job that I did on weekends covering sports led the uh, paper to offer me when I graduated college a job full time doing sports for the Delaware County Times. So interesting how we, you know, these choices we make mm-hmm. have tremendous impacts on mm-hmm. you know where we wind up. So you go to St. Joe's, uh, major in in politics. Mm-hmm. Are you still thinking, hey, I want to uh, go to law school? Uh, um, that's your your pursuit. You're not thinking political in nature. Um, Actually, probably a little political. Okay. I wasn't quite sure, but yes, law school definitely wanted to go to wanted to go to law school. Absolutely, stayed in politics, stayed active uh, with the party uh, a little bit at the county level, but certainly, um, particularly even at, even more after. Of course, I went on council when I was a, a, a senior in college. Uh, my grades weren't the best. Um, don't, not sure what which university I would have, what law school would have been able to get into. Um, and then the, the other thing that happened is I saw what assistant district attorneys make, and I'm going, you know what, I really don't want to do three more years of college. I paid for my own, paid my own commuting costs because I did not live at the school because of my three, you know, three part-time jobs, worked at a drugstore, worked at the cheesesteak and hoagie place, and then worked on weekends for the, for the newspaper. I said, I don't want to do three more years. So I said, you know what, I'll go back to school. You know, how many times do we all say that? Yeah, I'll go back right, to school. Right, right, right. And I just it never it never occurred. Yeah, never occurred. All right, so so uh, let let's fast forward. Uh, you get out of college. Um, uh, well, your first career. Uh, what do you? What, what's your first real job? I guess. Uh, not that those other ones weren't real jobs, no, but no. Uh, you're, you're, you're right. First one was was really kind of working in something called the CETA program for the County of Delaware. Interestingly, for the Delaware County District Attorney. Worked there about two and a half years doing uh, community crime prevention, which was interesting. I had an interest in law enforcement, too, so that worked in. Went and worked very, very briefly at, because I thought law enforcement, Swarthmore College, believe it or not. So I worked at Swarthmore for, for a while, literally just a matter of months, and then I got a call from BP where my family worked. My uh, grandfather had worked at the refinery outside Philadelphia in Marcus Hook, trainer Marcus Hook. My dad still worked there. My uncle still worked there had a job to come in and it was really basically an entry-level job a shift work job that they bring you in they see how you work get a better look at you you get a better look at the refinery and say is this something that I want to do 
And so, so perfect for a political degree, right? Uh, perfect, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Working in a refinery is just a great job when, when, you, when you have the background in that. That's so, right. so you go to work for BP yes. uh, there at Marcus yeah. Hook. Um, yes. and, and then I, I know that leads to other opportunities that really take you to other states. Uh, it uh, does. It does. For two years, I did, you know, work shift work and operations, which allowed me to have a look at everything in there and, you know. Two years on shift or, you know, rotating shift is just enough to know you never want to, in my view, you never want to work rotating shift again. Because yeah. in a refinery, Christmas is another day. Thanksgiving's another day. You know, July 4th, another day. Mm-hmm. Easter's another day. It's just one of the days on your schedule. It was tough on family. And then after that, they moved me into HR where I did a lot. It, actually, that was a great job. Did everything from interviewing people to to uh, labor relations. I did some community relations. The, the refinery manager got me involved a little bit in government relations, sent me to Harrisburg on a couple things. Interestingly enough, uh, kind of a little bit of a conflict with the corporate government relations people there. But, hey, what I know, I was just some kid who got <laughs> sent to Harrisburg. Um, you know, we would take people out and test them to see if, you know, when we're going to hire to make sure they didn't have a fear of heights. So we, sometimes we had to go get a cherry picker and pull people off the units, but it was a great job. Yeah. I loved it. You know, benefits counseling, retirement counseling. And so, yeah, then, you know, then BP came and said, we have this job open in Atlanta, Georgia. We want you to do corporate, um, corporate government relations in, you know, in six states working out of Atlanta. That was uh, 1980. They came to me in 85 and they, I eventually went down there in 86. And so, uh, was that a new venture? I mean, had you been outside Pennsylvania much? No, uh, so, so. no. In fact, I, you know, I, I kidded with the people in the Atlanta office. I said, uh, you know, I, we, we never traveled as a family. We never went anywhere mm-hmm. as a family. Never went to Florida. Um, we, um, the furthest west we had gone as a family was was out to Hershey or Gettysburg. Literally, I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. Well, that's that's a little further than uh, the the Philly mindset that the uh, west is Paoli. Excuse me, out <laughs> past Paoli. Yeah. You know, when you live in Philly, you're not quite sure what's out this way, particularly beyond the mountains, but you're pretty sure there's still buffalo there. Um, <laughs> uh, north, when I was with BP at the refinery, I'd interviewed for a job in uh, in Buffalo, Niagara Falls. That was the furthest north I had been. Never never been to, never been even to Canada. Um, the furthest south I had been prior to going to Atlanta, I think was, I don't think I'd been to Williamsburg. I think it was like Alexandria, Virginia. And I was kidding the people in the office. I said, the furthest east I've been is chest high. And they went, chest high? I said, yeah, chest high in the Atlantic. And that's the <laughs> furthest east I had been. So cl- far as you can get from a world traveler. So it was. We had two little kids at the time. We picked every- everybody up. We, uh, I always joke, I lived the everybody loves Raymond. My in-laws were literally a block away. My parents and all siblings were three blocks away. Uh-huh. Um, so we picked up, said we're moving 700-plus miles away, and picked up the only two grandkids on either side of the family and moved south to Atlanta. So uh, in all this, and I, I, I'm sorry for not asking, but uh, you do get married. You have, you have a number of kids. Uh, tell a little bit about uh, yep. that. Got married, been married for a number of years now. Um, have, have three kids, two daughters and a son. The... Uh, the two oldest, of course, you know, we had, they were, interestingly, all three, even though we lived in Georgia, Ohio, um, all three were, all three were born here. Two, uh, when we lived in Philadelphia and one after we returned to, to Pennsylvania, boy, 25, 26 years ago uh-huh. now. Yeah. And so uh, you come back to Pennsylvania mm-hmm. um, and you've been in the corporate uh, uh, side of things. 
Um, what then uh, gets you involved in more of the advocacy and, and the, even at the chamber? How, how do you end yeah. up uh, president of the Pennsylvania Chamber, representing 9,000 businesses right. across our commonwealth? Well, you know, I was in Atlanta four years, like government affairs, a lot of travel. It was kind of tough. And then the, 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 uh, the corporation wanted me to leave and take a position in Cleveland, which was their then U.S. headquarters since the merger with Amico. They moved to Chicago. So I wound up going into retail marketing, which was uh, good. It was actually a great experience because I got to do a little bit of mergers, acquisition stuff, saw the real business side, which was a tremendous assist for me. You get a mm. real understanding mm -hmm. for what business are look, businesses are looking for and what they need before they make that crucial investment. That's been tremendously helpful to me in my career. But about 1991, 92, I'd hoped to get, you know, and they brought me up with certain expectations, but things change because they had had some retrenchment. I was, and um, so bottom line, the next move was probably going to be overseas. I didn't really want to do that. Still had two young kids. So an opportunity presented itself to stay in the oil industry, come back here and work in what was called Associated Petroleum Industries of Pennsylvania, the trade association for the major oil companies, not only BP, but, you know, Sunoco, Exxon, Mobil, Shell, Texaco, et cetera. So I came back here to do that in 92. I've been back in Pennsylvania since 92, worked for API for about eight years, uh, went to a law firm briefly. A law firm wanted to start a government relations practice and asked me to come over to do that. So we did. That was about three years, and then the chamber was a, actually a client that I had worked for, and the then-president, Floyd Warner, asked if I'd come over to the chamber and worked, and we worked that out, and I've been there for 15 years. Yeah, I think, and that's, uh, I think we met uh, when you were vice president of uh, government Correct. affairs uh, at Correct. that time, and uh, we've gotten to know each other, right. and certainly fighting alongside on, on many of these issues uh, that Pennsylvania faces. Uh, and I, we've, we've long talked about uh, where Pennsylvania fits uh, nationally uh, relative to our uh, hospitable uh, business climate, whether it's taxation uh, or regulation. Uh, and while Pennsylvania, you know, kind of is at the bottom, we're, we're, we're never the worst, right? Uh, there's a, <laughs> it's kind of where Pennsylvania ha is, you know, its two biggest assets are, are probably New York and New Jersey. Um, that if not for those states that are forcing job creators out, Pennsylvania uh, would be losing more population. Uh, and I know we are. I know you have members uh, like I have members that... Uh, spend six months in a day uh, in states like Florida uh, because of uh, the more hospitable uh, tax climates. Um, these are the challenges uh, that Pennsylvania faces. I know you've long fought uh, to make Pennsylvania a better place to, to do business. Um, what do you see as, uh, you know, this will be sort of a broad question, uh, but the biggest challenges that Pennsylvania faces, uh, as well as, I guess, your view of what, you know, have we been improving or are we going in the wrong direction? Uh, and uh, where do you see us headed uh, here in the future? So what do you see as the biggest challenges that Pennsylvania faces uh, so that we are a place that, that people are saying, you know what, we really got to consider Pennsylvania as a place to plop down uh, our, our corporation or to grow our, our businesses that already exist? Yeah, and let me go. All good questions, or all one really good big question. <laughs> Let me go back to something that you said at the beginning. We're, we're never the worst. We're also never ranked the best. Yeah, right. And for a lot of these states, you'll see states that tend, you know, maybe have had the biggest drop 
in income or whatever, well, they've been at the top. They get these tremendous swings, and I know that's not a positive either, but we're never there. We're always in the also-ran, Colleen, and why is that? You could, gee, we could do a week-long program on kind of what's going on here. Part of it is this thing that's, you know, very frustrating, that almost seems like we take, constantly take one step forward and one step back. We do this and we go, well, okay, we've given that to business. Yeah. Now we got to go over here and we've got to go over and do this. And there's, there is kind of an anti-corporate mentality here. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, again, we talk a little bit about history. There's, you know, we've got a state that's full of a lot, you know, founded by immigrants that, that have this kind of anti-corporate going back to the coal miner days. I mean, former Governor Casey, you know, was part of that. He 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 was very highly skeptical of corporations, not mm -hmm. a fan, and a lot of that moves down in through the rest of the population. And uh, while I never hear anybody say they're anti-business, um, certainly not pro-business yeah. when you look at the voting records. But it almost seems like, well, you know, we're, we're you know we're really skeptical business, and you know, not quite sure about this, and so we unfortunately take steps that sometimes attack our assets almost like eating our young the attack on natural gas industry is a perfect example for here's an industry that has a tremendous resource for this commonwealth that has delivered benefits for the commonwealth that other states embrace and try and figure out how they can make it successful what do we do here let's create a new tax on them and let's see what <laughs> other taxes we can do as well let's see how difficult we can make it to permit yeah um so it almost seems as if Pennsylvania can't get out of its own way in a lot of cases. And, you know, you, you, know, you mentioned Amazon and there's huge competition to get Amazon here. Philly and Pittsburgh are the two of the cities in that the, are still in the, top in the 20, running, I guess, in the yeah. top 20. Yeah. Although back about two months ago, Wall Street Journal ran a ranking of all the cities that were left and kind of the most obvious. And, you know, those that t in their view tended to rank better. The three at the bottom were Philly, Pittsburgh, and Newark, New Jersey. Yeah. And you, you look at that, and clearly some of it is our tax structure. Mm -hmm. We're the highest effective corporate net income tax rate in the United States. We have government unions that are firmly entrenched in this commonwealth. Mm -hmm. and um, Biggest political sway, contributors. Biggest political yep. contributors. Yep. I mean, you and I are seeing it now, along with the trial lawyers, on a, on a bill that we're both working, that in our view will deliver tremendous benefits and yep. help to injured workers and help to bring some sanity to health care costs and really work to address what the governor himself has called an opioid crisis. Mm -hmm. And yet we're, you know, we've been stymied. The bill's sitting on his desk, and we don't know what he's going to do with it. It's one of these things that, in my view, should be a no-brainer. Yeah. As we're recording this, uh, by the time this gets out, Gene, we will know. We will know. It, it will either we be will vetoed or signed or uh, let, it'll be, come into law. Become an act. Yeah, like uh, 21 other bills uh, that, that uh, have become law without... Uh, including all the budgets. That's right, all three budgets. Uh, we'll, we'll get into some of uh, your your thoughts on this current governor, who uh, uh, I think was on the board uh, briefly of the Pennsylvania Chamber of Business and Industry, uh, touts himself as a, a businessman, uh, someone who's run a business, so understands, and yet still is promoting lots of things that most of the business community uh, pushes back against, um, and which is always interesting. Of course, uh, I think he's a bit of an anomaly in that he never risked his own capital uh, in the enterprises. Uh, he inherited his business, a family-owned business, which I think is very different. As I know, many entrepreneurs who have uh, risked, you know, 
taking out a second mortgage on their home and never know uh, if they're going to make it or break it. And um, that, that's a very different dynamic of running a business when you've got, when you're all in uh, and you don't have a trust fund or something else to, to subsidize you. Uh, but Gene, Pennsylvania, um, you know, people have said, oh, we've cut business taxes. And I, I frequently know, yeah, we cut them all the way down to the highest in the nation. Uh, other states are, are just moving much faster than us. And I think, I think you've said this, is that uh, we're, you know, we're running this race on the track and we're just laps behind. So even if we do cut some of these taxes, uh, we're still behind our competitor states, uh, states that are attracting uh, investment in capital. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what are those, what are those key things that, that you see? Uh, it, you know, is it taxes? Is it regulation? Uh, is it being a right to work state? Um, is it our education? I mean, Tom Wolf says that we got to invest more in education, that uh, we need to expand our, our health care through Medicaid, all these things. Um, here's a businessman. What, what's your vision and, and where the vast majority of your members stand? The answer to all that is yes. That would be the easy one. <laughs> Let me go back to the governor yeah, for a minute yeah. because I think it's uh, look. I, I I think you know Tom Wolf. Yes, he was on our board. He jokes about being the the shortest serving member of the PA Chamber Board because he had to resign after I don't think one meeting because he was appointed by former Governor Rendell to be the head of uh, Department of Revenue, ah. Secretary of Department of Revenue. Uh, look, I, I think Tom Wolf is a decent guy. I, look, I, he, yes, he was a businessman. I don't want to get into sure. kind of where where all that came from, but. Um, he went back. He, you don't have to push back on me, Gene. That's yeah, it's fine. okay. He, you know, he rebought the business, et cetera, which I think is a positive for him. But, mm-hmm. the, but the trouble is, you're right. He has sided with a lot of things that, that you and I both know need to be done. All of the things you mentioned, and you're absolutely right. It's like us, you know, loudly proclaiming we cut a second off our time in the mile when our competitors have cut three seconds yeah. off their time in the mile. And, or yeah, three minutes. Or three minutes. <laughs> that, that'd, be a, that'd be a really quick mile. Um, but, yeah, the reality is we haven't done it. To, 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 the, to this day, I, I vividly remember back in 1991, and I know this goes back mm-hmm. a long time, but this mm-hmm. is the genesis of a lot of Pennsylvania's problems. 1991, Pennsylvania had a $1 billion budget shortfall. They raised taxes $3 billion to cover a $1 billion mm-hmm. shortfall in 1991. And that included an increase in the corporate net income tax to, I believe, 12.99%. They hiked what was, fortunately, we've done away with the capital stock and franchise tax. They hiked that. They hiked the personal income tax. I remember. And this was going to solve the problem. This is right. And and the reason they needed $3 billion is they had to give money away to get so and so's vote to Mm -hmm. agree to to pass the budget. I, I remember I was at BP, I was in retail marketing. When the lobbyist for Pennsylvania for BP came in, I was in a meeting with the senior vice president of retail marketing, and this lobbyist related what Pennsylvania was was poised to enact. And his comment was, that's the end of our direct investment in Pennsylvania. Now, at the time, Pennsylvania, uh, what they owned, what BP owned in Pennsylvania, was a refinery. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hun- share and series hundreds of pipelines. Of, hundreds of jobs? Uh, hundreds in, of yes, jobs. Yes, okay. Hundreds of jobs, literally mm-hmm. hundreds, oh, high-paying jobs at the okay. time. Some of them close to or at six figures 30 years ago. Uh, hun- so, yes, hundreds of jobs. Uh, they own terminals, again, well-paying jobs. They owned a string of service stations in uh, eastern PA and in the Pittsburgh area. They owned car care facilities in the Pittsburgh area. 
Uh, they might have still owned uh, Truck Stops of America at the time. I've actually, at one point, BP owned Truck Stops of America. Uh, so they owned all of this. It's all gone today. It took okay. us some time. They divested themselves of all of it. And there's still some BP stations, but not they're their not. Investment. They're, okay. They simply fly the flag. Uh-huh. It's a franchise. Uh-huh. That is not a BP employee. That is not BP-owned property. They are out of Pennsylvania. Hmm. We effectively drew one of the world's biggest corporations out of this commonwealth with tax decisions. And because we have never really gone back and fixed the, all that permanently, we talk about the fact, oh, yeah, we've cut this, cut that. Yeah. We're the only state at one point to charge both an assets as well as an income tax. Yeah, mm-hmm. we got rid of the capital stock and franchise tax. That was implemented by Governor Ridge. It took us years more than it was supposed to yeah. in implementation because we kept going back and hiking it or delaying it, etc. Called it the phantom phase-out. <laughs> All the phantom phase-out. So, yeah, we still have what's adjudged to be one of the worst legal climates for business anywhere. Business continues to be attacked businesses, my members, people you know, people you work Mm -hmm. with, your members continue to see themselves dragged into court in Philadelphia Mm -hmm. when there's no good reason to be there. The state Supreme Court, let aside what just happened here (laughs) the last few months, refuses to fix the venue issues. I have friends who are lawyers in Philadelphia. I have a guy, he had a court case in Bradford, PA, Bradford plaintiff, Bradford defendant, Bradford witnesses. The case was filed in the city of Philadelphia. It's a little bit of a drive from Bradford to Philadelphia. It's a tough commute. It's a tough commute. (laughs) And so we constantly see this. But this this is where, and so for our listeners to understand is that this, what you call venue shopping, is that you're able to get a more favorable uh, judgment out of Philadelphia courts uh, than if you were uh, actually where the... No doubt. We know those juries are more favorable. We know that the... You know, we know that those attorneys are closer to the judges there. It's very problematic, and I've talked to people down there who know that, so we have that. We have the reputation to have a very difficult permitting system, mm-hmm. whether it's natural gas or, you know, whatever else. Reputation among tax practitioners. Pennsylvania's DOR is one of the Department of Revenue is one of the toughest to deal with. A few years ago during the Corbett years, we enacted some reforms that were highly graded by national tax institutions and foundations and we've tried to you know certain people tried to ratchet those back so for all of those things you know and look we've it it's sad because we've got some tremendous assets we have some of the best educational institutions in the world our location should make us a prime site for investment we've got you know phenomenal you know medical facilities etc um and so you know i know there's a lot of focus on eds and meds but we've got to have those jobs that go there that allow them to work with them as well. Um, and unfortunately, we educate a lot of really smart kids, and you know, we wind up sending them elsewhere. I know Penn State is doing some great work right now to try and keep them here, keep some of the great ideas that are developed at State College and some of their other places in here. A lot of other educational institutes are doing it too. But we've got to change the business climate here. It's got to stop being, in many cases, anti-business. Well, Gene, are, are things improving, would you say? I mean, so my history, of course, uh, comes at the uh, very end of the Ridge Schweiker years, uh, Ed Rendell coming in, and people like uh, John Purzell, uh, Bob Jubilier, Chip Brightbill, Vince Fumo, Bill DeWeese, Mike Vion. These are the guys that are leading 
Uh, and so when I look back from when I first started, uh, we've seen a sea change. Uh, you go back and you know ten years even before that. Thanks for reminding that. me. I'm a lot yeah. older than you. I appreciate that, Matt. <laughs> no problem. Uh, uh, but. Uh, so you've seen a lot uh, of change, uh, I think, even more than I have. Um, I don't remember uh, Simon Cameron. Uh, <laughs> we'll make sure you understand. Uh, that. Yeah, got it, got it. You're more Milton Schaap, right? Uh, but uh, almost, yeah, almost, almost. Uh, but but uh, are it's are, are you hopeful? I mean, do you think Pennsylvania is moving in the right direction, or are we headed in the wrong direction right now? Uh, and do you think that this Pennsylvania is going to be the Keystone State again? Or is that part of our history, a rearview mirror? We're making some, and have made in, in recent years, some, some positive movement. Trouble is, goes back to what we said a few minutes, so is everybody else. Yeah. We're not going as quickly as we, as we need to. And again, when you find an asset that can move your commonwealth forward, that can make you a leader. And again, I'm referring to natural gas because we don't get a lot of real advantages. Second largest natural gas producer in the United States. What it might be the largest, second, perhaps second largest field of natural gas, developed, undeveloped reserves in the world. Mm -hmm. And you, you, you spend your time figuring out how you can tax them and how you can block development. And we watch Russian natural gas flow yeah. into Boston Harbor yeah. <laughs> on a French flag ship to get around sanctions because we can't figure it out here. That is so incredibly frustrating. We should be doing everything that we can, not figuring out what new taxes we can put on, not figuring out how difficult we can make it yeah, but Pennsylvania, but Pennsylvania, developed. Gene, you know, is the only natural gas producing state that doesn't uh, impose a severance <laughs> tax. Uh, Along with California, yeah. but that's it. And of course, <laughs> we're the only one that has an impact tax. And we're also the only one that has a corporate net income tax of 10%, which is the highest of all of them. And well, but the, and I throw that out no, there, I of course, know. you know, facetiously, because yes. um, that is what we're seeing in the ads by Tom Wolf. Uh, not only that, of course, uh, he ran on the billion-dollar cut in education funding uh, that Tom Corbett yes. uh, supposedly did. Um, is this just politics? That I mean, that Tom Wolf knows that we impose uh, a an additional tax on top of all the other taxes these uh, yeah. uh, gas drilling companies. Uh, pay. In fact, the impact fee, as it's called in Pennsylvania, produces even more revenue than the severance taxes of our surrounding Five states. states. Yeah. So uh, combined, correct? Combined. Yeah. So we're in we're yeah we're correct. getting additional rev. I mean, is this just politics? I mean that that there is a, a it is and it's incredibly yeah. frustrating. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I look at stuff and you know we all do. We all look at newspapers and we'll see a. A reporter say we're the only state that doesn't tax the natural gas yeah. industry, or I'll see comments, or someone will say something on TV. You and I, you know, regularly go on PCN. And I'll hear, you'll hear somebody from organized labor say we're the only state that doesn't tax the natural gas industry. And I said, where do they come up with this? I mean, here's the numbers, and then you hear the governor of the Commonwealth say it in an ad. Yeah. Incredibly frustrating because he said, "quote We're the only state that doesn't tax the natural gas industry." That is flat out wrong. And his, his, his spokesman for his campaign, this was a campaign ad, of course, his, his spokesman said, well, everybody knew we were talking severance. That's yeah, why you right. put that modifier in front. There's this guy, Webster. He made this really big book called A Dictionary. You get to use any word you want in it. You get to say exactly what you mean. The governor then goes on to say, what's under the ground belongs to all of us. Yeah. No, it doesn't. We right. have private property rights in this country, in this commonwealth. And so when you hear these things said... 
Well, in fact, the the the, the property that we do own as the is, citizens is uh, off limits. Is, is, uh, yeah, he has all, said we said won't drill there. Yeah, we won't drill there. So the <laughs> Commonwealth will not get the benefit. And for people who say, "Oh, we're going to despoil this," I've been on a number of these. Things. Oh yeah, I've been on a number of them. We know how to do this right. And I hear people talking about this and that. Oh, it's going to do this. Um, they've never been to a site. They have not yep. seen. I've been. You've been to these yep. towns that have been rejuvenated with the industry. I was up in Northeast PA, and somebody took me and said, there's the old hospital. It looked like a garage. And took me around a mile, here's the brand new hospital. Because of the industry being there, no ifs, ands, or buts. It's changing these towns, and we have got to continue to do that. So when you hear people say things that are at best half true, yeah. It is incredibly f- – let's let's have a debate about whether or not we should have another tax on the industry. That's fine. But let's deal with facts when we do it. Let's not sit here and say things that we know aren't true. Well, and that that's the – you and I uh, kibitz over the frustration of uh, the facts getting out there, whether it is – uh, you know, as Governor Wolf uh, hounds on the special interest money uh, flowing into campaigns, while he himself uh, is the recipient of millions of dollars of people who want something from government or a protection of this or that. I mean, Pond Lahaki being one of those law firms that is making lots of money off of the workers' comp system uh, that's funding his campaigns, holding fundraisers, things like that. Uh, yet the attention is not brought to that in the way that uh, we think would be fair uh, so that we can have a good discussion or debate about these these policy changes. Uh, Gene, so uh, I guess you didn't answer my question. Are you hopeful for, for the future of Pennsylvania? Look, I, I guess the answer has to be yes, yeah. because I wouldn't still be sitting right. here if we were doing that. It's, it's an uphill fight. Because we're against, as you point out, such entrenched interest. I mean, you know, the governor said, that, you know, again, natural gas industry spent $60 million. Yeah. Well, didn't mention that was over an eight-year period. And during the same eight-year period, government unions spent 50% more yeah. on that. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned Pushing the for higher taxes, yeah. Pushing for higher taxes, uh, you know, pad and continue to keep. You know, the pension benefits coming that they have that are more lucrative virtually than anywhere else you'll find in the U.S. probably, although Illinois and New Jersey certainly give us a run for our money on that one. So, look, I'm st- we're still going to continue to fight. Yeah. I was born here. I live here. You know, my kids are here. Um, I believe that we've got to do the best that we can for this Commonwealth. And we're, we, we've got to continue to fight that and continue to bring up, the you know, what is true, continue to bring up the facts to people and to show that we ought to do a better job. We can do a better job. And the thing is, I think with Amazon, if we don't get Amazon, I think, you know, Pennsylvania, oh, gee, we didn't get it. Yeah. There has to be some real self-introspection at that point. And you, you, look, I know the concern over what we're giving away to get Amazon. Yeah, I'd rather improve the business climate, uh, not so we get one corporation uh, producing 50,000 jobs, right. but that we have... Uh, 500 businesses producing a thousand jobs. To me, right. that's a much stronger uh, economic uh, indicator. We actually need both. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, sure. And a great example. I'll take them is, both. <laughs> a great example is the Shell facility. Yeah. That you know really was how we got them was the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania decided we're going to allow you to keep a little bit more of your money. Yeah. If you put six billion dollars in the ground, employ tradespeople to build the facility, hundreds of jobs when it's open, and then you begin to use that as the nucleus and build jobs around it. That's how it's supposed to work. But if we don't get Amazon, we need to look closely at why Amazon went elsewhere. Did they go to a right to work state? 
Did they go to a state with a lower corporate net income tax? They go to a state where permitting is easier to do. They go to a state that has a better legal climate than we do. All those questions are ones that need to be asked, and we will ask them. Well, and that's where, uh, Gene, I, I, I'm, I'm very hopeful, actually. I'll, ju- I'll just say this. Okay. I, 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 uh, <laughs> I frequently quote uh, Senator Bob Mello. You might recall this uh, when he said, um, uh, <laughs> telling uh, uh, seniors that he'd rather give them false hope than, than no, no hope, hope at all. all. <laughs> uh, I'm not that way because, right. uh, like you, look, if I didn't believe that uh, Pennsylvania had a tremendous future, uh, I'd go uh, work somewhere where I saw a uh, great opportunity. Pennsylvania is right there uh, on the cusp. Uh, when you think of us being the fifth largest state, uh, the states that are larger than us, California, New York, I mean, those states, I think, financially, uh, I would not be working in those states. They're having uh, real issues. Yeah, right real now. issues. Florida, Texas, uh, they're kind of kicking our butts. Yeah, they're uh, growing. You know? And uh, Pennsylvania is right there. We could go one way or the other. We, could. And we I just think, passed yeah, Illinois, which is a really right. good point to make. Illinois yeah. is larger. Illinois is an economic basket case right well, now. Well, and, and I would argue that it's not because Pennsylvania moved ahead. It's absolutely because not. They, 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 fell. they fell behind. They absolutely yeah. fell. And you talk about the outforcing mm-hmm. of jobs and wealth. Uh, right. It is flowing out of there. Uh, I mean, you can't uh, get your house on the market uh, fast enough. Uh, people are, are vacating. Speaking of uh, California, yeah. you bring up a great – I saw a statistic. If you want to get a rental van to leave San Francisco, yeah. it's $1,200. you want to get one to go in, it's about 100 yeah from, yeah, from one of these other states, because Absolutely. the one-way one uh, ride is... incredibly is... high. Everybody wants to get out of there. Well, I shouldn't G- say that's yeah, a generalization, yeah. but, you know, people, you have to be extremely wealthy. People of any kind of modest means can't afford to live there anymore. Yeah. Well, uh, my parents uh, vacated California last summer. Uh, there you go. So, uh, yes, uh, they were not going to continue right. to uh, live uh, in that state. So we'll see... Uh, where they head, right? Um, because I think that there are some states that are going to be uh, facing some insolvency. Uh, we have a, another economic downturn, and uh, we're not going to be able to pay uh, all these promises that that we've made, uh, particularly to public employees. Well, you know, that's a great. You know, we owe about seventy-four billion dollars here. We did pension reform, which just, was reform, just, and that's just the that's public school just teachers and state workers. Yeah, it <laughs> does not include any of the municipal. Yeah, any of the other which like three thousand is about yeah. eight or nine billion yeah. in and of itself, and they refuse to make the concessions and the reforms that they need. But here it's about seventy-four, seventy-five billion. We made some reforms, mm-hmm. but it addressed only future yeah. employees. Well, and that was, of course, after Tom Wolf vetoed substantive pension reform Correct. back in twenty fifteen. Yeah, that the that, House and Senate yeah. put on his desk, and yeah. the Senate has passed this two or three you times. Uh, good reform, solid reform that makes real sense. And here, all you know, all, I should say, all we get because that was a lift, and it was the right thing to do, and it was reform, and it moved but only for employees that hadn't been hired. In fact, somebody in the Senate was joking that that uh, PSEA is the most pro-life organization in Harrisburg, and I joked, and I said, well, why? Because they were opposing this, you know, this reform we talked about. And this person said, well, look at all the attention they're given to people who aren't even born yet. <laughs> so um, that's, that's what we've had to go through here. Well, Gene, uh, we're out of time, uh, and I didn't get to – so this means you have to come back. Sure. Uh, Glad because to do it. in addition to all your business work – and mm-hmm. we'll just touch on this as a teaser for the next time sure. we sit down sure. – uh, is that uh, you're an author. Uh, yeah. you, mm-hmm. You've written a book uh, called The Captain and His Lady. Yes. Uh, uh, Civil War letters that you found. Uh, Correct. And Nonfiction, told, yeah. all true. 
No, yeah. yeah, and you you're you've been involved with the National uh, Civil War yes. Museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a reenactor. I have uh, done that. Yeah. As have you, yeah, yeah, but I've uh, given yeah. it. I'm too old for that. You I, might still do right, it. Right? No, I don't. I don't uh, but I and you've appear, I, appeared I in movies. movies. Yeah, I did four movies. Yeah. yeah. As a as, so Just this is a whole nother side of, of Gene Bar nice. that's fun. And uh, and you've been gracious enough to uh, give us some tours of, of my team of uh, the battlefield yeah, and, yeah, and talking about in yeah. fact one of the great things that we do at the chamber now is something called in the footsteps of leaders with the gettysburg foundation has come to be one of our most popular programs we take business people down on the battlefield and show them what you can learn in terms of leadership initiative communications logistics from those three days in 1863 our programs sell out even before we generally announce them in many cases and it's one that i just absolutely love doing well give a plug for your book where folks can uh, well find i that. think it's still on amazon okay. actually we're we're running out of the hard copy if they want them then come to me i still have some but we're going to a second edition paper copy which will be out in august of this year uh you probably still get some at amazon in terms of hard copy as mentioned i have some barnes and noble some of the park service i think gettysburg is sold out of it so i'm pleased i know the national civil war museum has them store here in mechanicsburg civil war and more has it but the uh, hard copies the first editions are running out and, and you uh, do speaking engagements. I, I'll go to uh, roundtables, uh, rotary clubs, whoever wants me to come out, absolutely. I'll so, talk either you know, 19th century politics or 21st century <laughs> politics, either one. I'm happy with either one. Uh, so go to pachamber.org. Pachamber.org is our website. Okay. Yep. And uh, find out more what Gene is up to. And uh, Gene, appreciate your joining me here on Bruce. Thanks for the Views. invitation. Keep Thanks up the, the good invitation. fight. Thanks, you too. You've been listening to Brews and Views, a production of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs. Find us on Facebook at Commonwealth Partners and follow Matt Briette at M-A-T-T-B-R-O-U-I-L-L-E-T-T-E.